Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, we'll react to the B. John Robinson pick. What's next for the Atlanta Falcons? And Hawks battled it out last night, but came up a little bit short. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, we did a little minute video last night of the Falcons pick of B. John Robinson in I scratch my head at, at all of this. So I, I understand the philosophy that Arthur Smith is looking for, right? I mean, we're a run first team. We're a run heavy team. We're the only team in the NFL that called more running plays than passing plays last year, right? I get the philosophy. And you have arguably the most dynamic back that is available in the draft, right? I mean, you know, Bijan was clearly the best running back coming into this draft process. Some people like Jameer Gibbs, but nobody liked him over even Bijan Robinson, right? I get all of that. But still, okay, when you have cancer, I'll describe it like this. When you have cancer, okay, you can take ibuprofen, you can take NyQuil, and those things will make you feel better in general, Okay but they don't solve anything. They don't fix anything. Yeah, you'll feel better. You'll have a little bit less pain, maybe have a little bit less swelling, maybe feel a little bit better in the morning and things like that, but they don't cure or fix anything. And the thing that we are so deficient at, <clears throat> and we say it millions and millions and millions of times, is that we can't influence the defensive line of scrimmage. Well, well, we signed all these guys. Okay, you signed a bunch of guys to one-year deals. Some guys, we don't know what they're going to be. Some guys are old. Some guys, we don't know what their ceiling is. You know, again, I, and I've said this, Katie's the guy who's got to step up the most for this team. If Katie can't develop into a consistent pass rusher, all this other stuff's going to go by the wayside. You know, you only got Calais Campbell for maybe a year or so. Caden Ellis is the Caleb McGarry of defense. Okay, is he the seven sack guy from last year, or is he the first, or is he the guy that had three sack, or sorry, one sack in three years? Yeah, Onyemata, that's four or five. You you have to get off the edge in the NFL. You you influence the game getting off the edge. You influence the game with people like Micah Parsons, Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett. <clears throat> those are guys that influence the game. And we need more of those guys. We need young guys that can go do that. And that's the skill that we're lacking. The Falcons finished third in the NFL in running the football last year. They finished with 2,718 yards. They were 
two yards less than the Baltimore Ravens last year, who finished with 2,720 yards. So they were one rushing attempt away from being second in the NFL in running the football. The Bears were number one, and that's because the top two teams in the NFL, they have a quarterback that runs for thousands of yards and won three games last year. And then obviously Lamar Jackson's a potential thousand yard rusher at quarterback. So outside of the, and and certainly we had Marcus Mariota who ain't Justin Fields and, and he ain't Lamar Jackson, but still accumulated a big chunk of yards, but we're, we're really arguably right there at the top of being the best rushing teams in all of the NFL, aside from the gimmick quarterback teams. We can line up and run it with anybody. We had a fifth-round running back that ran for 1,000 yards last year. Fifth-round rookie running back that ran for 1,000 yards last year. Not by accident, who only started seven games, didn't get the vast majority of snaps early in the season. Well, he can catch the ball, Rubijan can catch the ball. Okay, Tyler Algier can catch the ball. Cordero Patterson can catch the football. I I have guys who can do those things. I have guys who can have all that same skill set, maybe not at the level that B. John Robinson does, but who can do the same things. You don't think that Tyler Algier, with starting 17 games next year, couldn't be a 1,250-yard running back? He ran for 1,000 yards and and a few yards on top of that. <clears throat> this past season as a rookie. You don't think that he couldn't be a 1,200-yard running back? And I could still, again, without Marcus Mariota, with having Algier start, drafting a running back in the middle rounds of the draft, having Cordero Patterson for one more year, you don't think I couldn't be a top 3-4 team in the league running the football? We we can't be top 3-4-5 running the football? <sighs> This is why I'm frustrated, because we're not influencing the game where it matters most. And you can tell me about all the guys that we signed and this, that, and the other. You're hoping that they work out. You don't know. You, you hope you hope Calais Campbell still has something left, but at some point that fuel tank is going to run out. You hope that Ebba Katie can step it up. You hope that Caden Ellis can be the same guy that he was. Yeah, Onyamata, okay, those are good picks. I don't deny that, but you're counting on the production from a lot of different people that are not necessarily fire breathers. And and they're not the younger guys. Again, I hope Ebikati develops into a 12-sack guy. If he can develop into a 12-sack guy, then we can fix a lot of our things. But I just need more of those guys. And the Eagles showed you You can't have too many guys that sack the quarterback. And meanwhile, what do the Eagles do? Well, they loaded up with Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the first round. Where were they finished at? Where'd they finish at? Oh, the Super Bowl. Oh, well, okay. And the 49ers, they signed their their $84 million free agent. Where's he play? Oh, yeah, the defensive line. That's what the good teams do, that they load up, and they dominate the defensive line of scrimmage in the league to where they can stop the run and sack the quarterback. That's what they do. 
They put all kinds of pressure on your offense. In the world of gimmick offenses in the NFL, where every offense is five wide and chucking it around and <clears throat> all these different gimmicks and all these offense coordinators have all these tricks up their sleeve, you have to be able to influence the defensive line of scrimmage and get to the quarterback consistently and change up down and distance. Third and four is a lot harder than third and 14. Still is in the NFL and will always be that way. And that's what you're looking for. And that's why I get frustrated when we have all these shiny objects and toys and we don't focus right where the ball is placed and we don't get better at that spot. And that's what that that that's the part that drives me crazy. You think we've lost games the last five years under two different coaching regimes because we don't run the football well enough? How many games did we lose last year because we couldn't run the football? Now look at how many games did we lose last year because our offense was just not able to run the football and we weren't consistently able to run it. <clears throat> how many of those got teams? There were games we lost where we couldn't consistently throw it. There are games that we lost when we can, couldn't stop anybody on defense. But how many games, when you go through the 17-game schedule last year, <clears throat> could you point to and say, we couldn't run the football and that's why we lost? Again, influencing on the defensive line of scrimmage. I need more of those guys to be fire breathers and more of those guys to be able to influence a game. All right, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Listen, Built Bar's got you covered. You want your great low-calorie, low-carb, low-sugar, high-protein snacks. Built Bar's got you covered. Whether you go the traditional protein bar route or the protein-infused marshmallow puffs, either way, if you want a different taste, texture, go with the marshmallow puffs. They've got you covered, and they're always introducing brand-new flavors each and every month. New flavors coming out. I saw cookie dough was back. I think peanut butter and jelly <clears throat> is available now, but now you have multiple options as far as how to buy. If you want to go the traditional route and you go online to built.com and order your box of built bars and get them through the mail, or now you can head to the pharmacy section in Walmart and get your built bars immediately. You can buy them there, or you can go to Sam's Club as well and picks up your box of built pick up your box of built bars. So whether you go the traditional brick and mortar route and want to go to the store to Sam's Club, to Walmart, and pick your box of Built Bars. Or if you want to go online and you do the shopping online, go to Built.com. So check it out at Built.com. Either way, you buy them. Check out the different flavors, all the different products they have. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Built Bars got you covered with all the best and healthiest snacks, and they have great flavors coming out each and every month. So what's next now for the Atlanta Falcons? What, what do we do now? Okay. So looking at some of the players that are available, I still think that corner is very much in play. Now, Joey Porter Jr., who a lot of us thought that would go in the first round of the draft, he's still out there. My guy, Cam Smith, he's still out there. Um, Tyreek Stevenson is still out there from Miami. Julius Bre uh, Brents from Kansas State. He's still out there. So I do think that there's a good deep class of corners that's available in the second round. If we want to go to the edge side of things, if we're, if we're looking at edge player, listen, 
if I could get my hands on at 44, if I could get my hands on Keon White, I'll be a lot happier. I'll I'll even I'll even give you a big smile out here if I can get my hands on Keon White because you know how I feel about Keon White. I love his game. I love his upside. Big, strong, fast, physical. I, I think that he think that he could be a really good player in the NFL moving forward. And if you if you have a guy like <clears throat> Calais Campbell, who's a bigger defensive edge player, working with a Dion with a Keon White, I should say. I, I think he could be a big influence on him, and he could certainly learn some things from him. So at, at least there is possibly, and again, obviously they pick 44 in here, there's possibly some decent edge players. Keanu Benton is another guy, defensive tackle, playing on the inside, if the Falcons are going to go that route. Um, Osiris Torrance is an interesting guy who can play sort of center guard if you're going to look that route. So I think for the positions that, and again, we might go wide receiver tight end in the second round because that's what we do, right? But when you look at some of the things that certainly could help the Falcons in this draft, corner has still guys that are available. There's there's several corners that should be there at 44, at least one of those guys. Maybe Joey Porter Jr. <coughs> won't be there at 44, but again, Cam Smith or somebody could be. There are some edge players. You started to see a little bit of a run on some of the edge guys a little bit later in the draft, but certainly if Keon White could fall, I, I would I would love to get my hands on for the Atlanta Falcons, Keon White. We talk about having these local kids and things like that. Well, here's a kid who played at Georgia Tech, and we're so worried about the logo on the side of the helmet. Here's a guy that played at Georgia Tech, and I... I'm going back to the Bijan thing. You know, obviously we passed on Jalen Carter in this whole thing. Um, you know, I, you could argue maybe he was the best player in the draft. So, again, we don't necessarily know what the Falcons direction-wise are going to go. Um, <clears throat> the other position that uh, that I was looking at, obviously I, in my mock draft, <clears throat> oh, Keely Ringo's another guy who's, who's out there and potentially available. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind having Keely Ringo. So I think cornerback, I think edge players in play. Um, I, I certainly think that, and, and again, after drafting a running back, I certainly think that wide receiver is somewhat in play. There weren't a lot of wide receivers that were drafted in the first round of the draft. Addison, you know, the kid from Boston College. There weren't a lot of weren't a lot of players that were selected to that position that are that were in the first round. So certainly you would think that maybe a Jalen Hyatt. I've said Cedric Tillman. Those guys could all be available there. Uh, Jonathan Mingo is another guy that could be available. Jaden Reed is another guy that could be available. So I think that those are all high-caliber guys. But if I'm looking at probably where the Falcons go next, my gut told me that they would go with cornerback at number eight. And you saw Christian Gonzalez fell to like <clears throat> 17, I believe it was. You know, Devin Witherspoon was the first corner taken off the board. I would have liked to have had him. But you saw Gonzalez was drafted a little bit later. They It looked like that in the first round that guys didn't value corner as much as maybe what we thought they would because we thought that Witherspoon, Gonzalez would be high draft picks. Joey Porter Jr. would be a guy that would be drafted. Um, the kid out of Maryland, I know he went in the first round, but that was another guy that was being looked at for his first-round talent. So there is some really good talent. When you talk about Ringo and Joey Porter Jr., and Cam Smith, 
that all are capable second round players. And some of those guys might even have first round grades on them. So I do think that corner is very much in play, obviously with getting rid of Casey Hayward, you know, you, you can't have too many corners as my friend D D led says. And obviously, you know, we don't know necessarily about Jeff Okuda. What's he going to be like? So having a young corner that you don't have to worry about for the next four or five years, you know, certainly, you know, four years, certainly is is not a bad option to have. <clears throat> Okuda's a one-year guy. So as of right now, uh, most likely they will not pick up his fifth-year option. He's a one-year He's a one-year player. So, again, we don't know what the future of Jeff Okuda is going to be. And Mike Hughes is, you know, maybe slot corner, things like that. So I, I'm focused in on cornerback that Joey Porter Jr., Keely Ringo, Cam Smith, those are all guys that are sitting there available to draft it feels like in this second round of the draft there's a good bit of cornerbacks that are available that we maybe thought would be first round picks a lot of them fell to the second round so there should be a plethora of cornerbacks for the Falcons to pick coming up at 44 we'll see what they go again they may draft another tight end when all is said and done they may draft Darnell Washington when all is said and done so I don't know what this regime is going to do I don't really have my hands um, in the in the you know in the pie to figure out what they're going to do, but we will see. But it will be an interesting second and third round. I'm going to be up at Flowery Branch tonight, and I'll have uh, you know coverage on the radio for all of it. But we'll see what happens with uh, with the second round. But I do think corner is the most likely pick to happen for the Falcons in the second round. All right, we thank you uh, for making hit and hard every day. Um, as your first listen, listen, we want you to leave us a comment when you do listen into the show and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we thank you so much for being an everydayer, as we like to call them. So we thank you so much for listening in every day to the program. Hitting Hard is available on all your favorite podcast platforms. And certainly give us a comment that you do listen in every single day to us. Well, the Hawks last night um, took it on the chin. Uh, the series finally over, 126-119. And, and the Hawks battled, uh, you know, uh, look, they were overmatched in this series. The, the, the better team won. But the Hawks caught some fire. I mean, after going 0-2 in this series and, and now and having lost five straight games to the Celtics, the Hawks did a really good job of going 2-2 two two down the stretch in this playoff series and making this thing more competitive. I came, I, I did some numbers last night because I wanted to see, <clears throat> I wanted to see something about shot selection or, or volume of shots, because what did we talk about the other day on the program that Trey young had to have a bigger hand and bigger influence in the offense and become a more volume shooter, Right that he had to get his offensive game cranked up and going because the way this team wins for right now is when he's a high-volume scorer, high-volume shot taker, <clears throat> and a high-volume player. Interesting. In the first two games of this series, okay, John Collins attempted 9% of the shots. DeAndre Hunter attempted 20 percent of the shots DeJounte Murray attempted 25 percent of their shots 
And you know what Trey Young was? Trey Young was at 20% of their shots. <clears throat> and I didn't look at the bench guys because they're not going to have the influence that Trey Young is when you talk about their starters. Even Capella's not going to have 20% of the shots or anything like that. But it was interesting that Trey Young was taking the same percentage of shots that DeAndre Hunter was, but not as many as Murray. The last four games of this series, okay? The last four games combined. And I know Murray had the suspension, <coughs> but I'm counting his shot percentage into this total. Collins took 11% of the shots. So he took 2% more than what DeAndre, what, uh, I should say that, that he did in the first two games of this series, okay? DeAndre Hunter went down to 15% of the shots that he took. So 15% from 20% in the last four games. DeJounte Murray took 14% of the shots. So again, I know he had the suspension, but that game still counted. I mean, that, that game, that they didn't just rub that game off and say, okay, <clears throat> we're going to go back and replay the game because you couldn't play in it. No, they, they, they played the game. And, and the, the Hawks, you know, found a way to win, but he had 14% of the shots for the last four games. But this is the interesting one. Trey Young had 29% of the shots. So he went from 20% up to 29% the last four games of the series. First two games, let me repeat, 20% of the shots. Last four games of the series, 29% of the shots. And it's not coincidence, okay? It's not random happenstance that this is what was a big reason why they won and they played better. Because again, we talk when Trey Young is leading the way offensively for this team, then they have more success. And yeah, in the first two games, you know, well, maybe if it's a little bit more even and distributed and all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, we got blown out in the first two games of the series. The four games that were close and, and you know, the, the two of the four games that we won were because Trey Young was getting back to being Trey Young. It's not about how many shots he even made. This is attempted. And so he went from 20 to 30% in his shot attempts. He played a bigger role and a more dominant role in his shot making. And who went down? Collins, Murray, those guys dropped in their percentage while Trey Young went up. And why did we win? Again, you can look at the, the box score and say, well, you know, he was 54% this game, 30%. I don't, I don't care about that. You know, this is volumes, this is volume shot taking, this is volume shot making. This is volume. This is about the volume of what Trey Young means to this offense. Now, again, as we've talked about, moving forward in the future, oh, you know, we got to be more balanced or blah, 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 blah. Okay, all those things may be true. But again, for right now, the, the, one, the one difference that, that stood out immensely is Trey Young played a bigger role in the amount of shot taking that he did in the last four games of the series versus the first two games of the series. And by and large, the first two games weren't competitive in a lot of ways, 
<clears throat> well, the Hawks got it down to eight and they got it down. Okay, great. That's that's fine. They were down 32 in game one. They were down 20 plus in game two. These last four games, they weren't blowout city. You're talking about 10 point leads at the Hawks had to overcome, not 32. And they battled their way back. And look, certainly these last four games were distinctly different than what the first two games had been. And after the first two games, they had lost five straight games to the Celtics. Five straight. Couldn't figure out a way to beat them. And then that switch flipped. And Trey Young become became Trey Young again, and he became that high volume shot taker. Oh well, that's why we got in trouble. Well, again, you weren't in trouble in the playoffs. Had that have happened in the first couple of games, maybe things would be different. I still think again, Boston was the better team in the series. They're the deeper team. They have a ton of star power. <clears throat> you saw in the game last night that their star power can take over. You know, Tatum had some big baskets late. Uh, Jalen Brown had some big baskets late. Tatum went for 30 last night. Jalen Brown went for 32 last night. Marcus Smart went for 22. You know, their big three got some real production. You know, meanwhile, look, Collins wasn't terrible. He was six of eight from the floor, 16 points and four boards. DeAndre Hunter wasn't terrible. He had 20 points on seven of 17 shooting and four for eight from three. <clears throat> but the difference in why these last four games were distinctly different than the first two games is because Trey Young became that volume shooter again. And we'll see now in the offseason, obviously there's going to be a lot of you know discussion about what needs to change, what needs to happen, free agency, the draft, you know, who's going to stay, who's going to go. Lots of talk about all of that stuff. But this series turned around because Trey Young had the ball in his hands and he became a more volume shooter when all was said and done. And that for now is how we have to win games for the Atlanta Hawks. Could things change? Certainly. And Quinn Snyder working with DeJounte Murray and Trey Young, hopefully it has a big influence on those guys and some things change and we could be a more consistent team through the regular season. But it was interesting to see that that's what the numbers bore out over the last four games. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuckery your first listen. Make sure when you go in and listen to Hitting Hard that you go in the comment section and leave a note that <clears throat> you are an everyday listener. So we call them our everydayers. So we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. Certainly listen in every day to the show. We ask you to follow for free, subscribe for free, or follow on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast from. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Back with you on Monday. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 